Welcome to the Tour Coach here in 2023, another year of the stories, the conversations, the roundtable discussions that come from my travels on the PGA and the Corn Ferry Tours, along with my teaching down at Old Palm and Palm Beach Gardens, or here in my studio in Mobile, Alabama. These are the stories and the guests and the people that I run into that I bring to you to help you enjoy playing the game of golf, learning about the game of golf, or learning how to teach the game of golf. I hope you'll enjoy my travels, my conversations, and you enjoy being on this journey with me. But I also want to remind you that this journey and bringing it to you wouldn't be possible without a special thanks to our longtime sponsors. First and foremost, Strixon and Cleveland Golf, Vineyard Vines, Bushnell Golf, and Buick GMC. Without those, the tour coach and all these travels wouldn't be possible, wouldn't be possible to bring these conversations to you. I hope you'll enjoy sitting in with me on another version here of the tour coach. Welcome everybody into another one of our uh, golf coach development forums. And this also obviously becomes part of the tour coach podcast, which will come out next week. Uh, JP is going to start us off kind of review. Wayno's up there. I see Wayno. Um, JP uh, is going to kind of review a little bit of what we did with this last year and then kind of the direction we're going to start to take this year. And then we'll jump into the topic. JP. Yeah, I think happy new year, everybody. Um, well, I hope uh, I hope you find last year's last year's content informative and picked up a few things. And our our intention with the, with with this was really never to be super technical with with I guess traditional golf podcasts. You know, we were going to try and keep it more on a coaching kind of basis, learning a little bit more about the kind of the art of of lesson giving rather than the the technicality. So we kind of Tony and I talked around about the new year. We thought to ourselves, well, look. You know, we, we've surfed through and navigated through a lot of topics, and there's obviously an awful lot of interest in, you know, what what we do, Tony, on tour a lot, and you know, experiences with with techniques and players and things like that. And we, you know, we kind of agreed that maybe it was time to 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 open up, open up to some, you know, some maybe some praise and some, some criticism. So, you know, I I think uh, I think we'll probably have a lot more informative sort of debates on on. 2023's action and I know you've got a few things you'd like to kick off with tonight yeah I think we just you know I thought and and again this is for one of the cool things also is congratulations to Jackson and Morgan Hale who works for me but a bunch we've got several folks that listen to this I've had several messages that all got named to the best young teachers list by Golf Digest and uh, um, you know so congratulations and we've had a bunch of nice notes from some young teachers that uh, really like what we're doing and, and so forth. So uh, I thought we'd get more into, you know, like uh, I hate to use the word preferences, JP and Wayno, but like when you, you know, when you have a student in front of you, where do you start? Like, I guess that'd be a good place to start. Like, where do you start? What are some of the things you look for? And, you know, I mean, we, not just teachers, but players, I'll obviously listen to a lot of this. So, I just thought we'd start at the beginning, you know, philosophically, like what are some things you're looking for JP in a golf swing and I'll, and then we'll go to Wayne. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely going to start with a, and I, I, I'm not going to go over this in too much more detail, but I'll sit down here in my office at Sea Island and I'll take a fairly detailed history, which I think we went through before Tony. So by the time we get, we get going on the, on the range, I want to have a fairly clear picture of, what the players trying to do, the preferred ball flight that they're, you know, that they're working with and working around. Um, and of course, if it's a, if it's not as advanced a player, 
you know, you're bearing that in mind. You've probably already established that as well. Um, so from there, if, if I'm asking them to hit a certain shot, I know what they're trying to do because they've already, already told me what they're trying to do. And I think that's, you know, that's very, very important. Um, so from there, I think if we can, if we can begin the process of, of really getting into where they're lined up, what they're trying to do and where they're lined up, uh, you know, I think that for me becomes the, the big part of it going into, you know, basics like posture and grip and making sure that, you know, all of the basics that we, we know from our history of, of, of teaching golf, you've got to, you've got to get into those fundamentals and make sure they're uh, working alongside the, the, the player's preferences. Um, I think that alignment is probably the most undertaught and undervalued part of our sport, especially in the long game. Um, you know, I worked with two or three tour players this week and, and really just talked about where their eyes are seeing the target, you know, distance from the ball with different golf clubs, how their perception perception changes with different golf clubs. Um, when they are in a, in their world of not, not hitting the golf ball the way they want it to, so it's shaping too much, they start to see too much shape and they start to react to that. Um, so targeting for me would probably be the first uh, deep dive um, into where we are with people and then making sure that they not only know what they're doing, but they have some systems of practice and some systems of like pre-shot routines to, to complement that. You think aim's important because there's some Twitter people that don't think aim matters. I'm just uh, I mean, I, I, I think aiming, you know, aim, we, the, if the, if the ball is the bullet and the, the club face is the gun, I mean, we gotta, we gotta make sure we're aiming the aiming things in the right direction. And, you know, whether that's, some players have an innate, innate ability to know where they are in space and know where they're going in space. I remember talking to Nick Price, and Nick didn't have a conventional viewpoint of alignment, but he always felt he knew where the target was. And that again, that's all. That's really all we want. We want the player to know where the target is and be able to respond to the target and move in a manner that helps the golf ball arrive at its destination. But other players, I remember speaking to Colin Montgomery and Colin was very clear and he triangulated his alignment. He would have, you know, visualized a, a parallel line running from the outside edge, right edge, as he's looking from down the line at the, uh, at the ball to target line to the target. And then he would walk in perpendicular to that. You know, so there's two incredibly accurate, brilliant iron players with two very different ideas on alignment. So I try and give students very different ideas and, 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 and give them five or six different ways of, of doing it and then zero in on the ways that they prefer and things that uh, they, they start to key in on. Wayno, where do you start with a student? He's got to turn his volume up. You got to unmute yourself. Is that better? Yep. Okay, great. Um, you know, I, I do the same kind of the same thing. I ha I talk to them about what their goals are and what they're looking to accomplish. Um, kind of hear them out of what they want to to have happen during the lesson, and you know, try to you know try to make the client happy. You know, obviously. Um, but then I, I'm also looking at the things that I think are important in the golf swing. And, you know, you've watched me teach a bunch of a regular golfers. You know, I'm not talking about tour players as much as I am, you know, maybe high school kids or, you know, handicapped golfers. You know, I kind of look at swing plane. I look at club face, obviously, a lot. And uh, I look at pivot a ton. I look at whether they're balanced at setup. And I, I certainly think alignment's important as well because – 
I think, you know, where they, where they think they're aimed or, or where they want the ball to go and where they're aimed necessarily isn't the same place a lot of times. And, you know, a lot of times I see people making halfway decent golf swings that are aimed, you know, 20, 30 yards uh, off, off what they think the target is. And, you know, they can't understand why they're having a hard time make the ball go there. Um, so, you know, I try to put those things together and, and get them generally aimed in the direction and then, and then see if, if uh, you know, what their golf swing's doing is, and, and what their club face and path and all that's doing is going to let them hit the shot that they told me they want to play, what their desired ball flight is. So I kind of go from there at that point. And, you know, you've watched me again. I, 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 I teach a lot of grip. I think grip's important. I really believe how people hold on to it's an important thing. And so I spend a little bit of time there and, and I dig right into that. If, if that's something that's not, not happening at all, I, I don't, I just don't let that really go along and, and, and be bad for a long time. Uh, you know, if the club face is pretty square and their grip is less than perfect, I may let that go a little while, but I, I, the teacher in me just can't let it go forever. I got to dig in there and, and try to help them fix that and, and get that where it can work really good every every time. JP, where do you go? You know, I always start with um, – I like to watch people hit balls without them knowing I'm watching them. Like I tell them to go warm up and kind of watch what they do when they're not trying to be perfect in front of me and just kind of see how they aim and how they – how fast they go, what they're doing when, when they don't think anybody's watching them. I, you know, if I can, I always try to start with air and then I try to put them, I try to watch, you know, I always try to start with what's the shot that they hate, you know, regardless of skill level, what's the shot that they don't like or the miss that we're trying to get rid of. Um, it's kind of where I always start and try to dig in into. And I think uh, uh, for me, that's, that's kind of what I do. Jackson. Uh, I think it has fluctuated a little bit as I've learned from you guys, but um, kind of depends on the player. You know, um, I'm just thinking back on some lessons today. I think having a good understanding of what they are trying to do or maybe the last, like obviously I'm new at this club, so the last couple lessons that they've taken and their um, their previous approach to trying to get better and then trying to marry that with the idea that I see in the the shape of their motion so that it's not too far off and it doesn't feel like they've reinvented the wheel so they can kind of buy into, to the direction I think they need to go to get better is, is for sure where I'm starting. JP, where do you start with grip? Let's just jump into grip. Cause I think that's something that like a lot of young teachers and a lot of people are afraid. I know Wayne jumps in and we'll go to Wayne here in a second, but a lot of young teachers, beginning teachers, are often afraid because like, let's face it. Sometimes when you change a guy's grip, good or bad, I mean, they don't hit it worth the shit right away, you know, and, and you got to have some patience to fix it and to hang in there. What, what, what you, talk a little bit about grip and what your, your feelings on the importance of it and when do you change it and think it's necessary, et cetera. Um, I would say when I was, I'm 47 though, I can't believe it, but uh, I would say when I was 37, 32, 35, I would have looked at like the hands. I would look at the hands first and change, you know, moved grips. And, the, you know, my import, obviously the, the way that you're holding the golf club is important. I think that um, more so lately, I've, I've kind of looked at how posture and how arm hang, um, how stance is arranged firstly and ensuring that the, 
balance of the player, the, you know, the, the spinal alignments and the shoulders are sort of set properly and the arms are hanging properly. And what's the, you know, if you can, if you can ascertain and help people educate people that, that those balances are so important, uh, quite oftentimes the, they will make incremental changes with the way that they hold the golf club. Now, again, you know, going back to what Wayne said, you know, it's different for me to, to, to some degree. I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be teaching a lot of like fairly elite level players. So, you know, making sure at the beginning that the marriage between the hands is allowing the player, you know, to use their wrists correctly, to use their elbows correctly, uh, to stabilize the club face and to have uh, the, the correct amount of mobility in the club face at the same time is, 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 in, is incredibly important. So it's, it's a complicated question that you ask. There's no, there's no doubt that if somebody is exhibiting a, a hold on the golf club that that is radically uh, compromising their ability to put the face on the ball squarely and move their hands and wrists correctly. You know, then you've got to get straight in there and and work on that. And you know, again, more recently, I've I've definitely changed some some handling positions for some tour players that have probably strengthened their their grips a little bit. To, to, you know, and and on occasions, and I've seen situations where you know players who really delved into their short game and really worked hard in their short game because they needed to do that have ended up having you know weaker grips so you know it, it's a complicated question that you ask um in an ideal world you know i'd love every you know i'd love the you know golf grips i love watching rory mcelroy's golf grip he's got beautiful you know v's he's got beautiful pressure on the handle but equally somebody like colin morikawa now who exhibits a weak left hand grip an ex- extremely weak left hand grip um, a fairly strong looking right hand grip and he's one of the most um, complete and precise ball strikers in the world so aligning the grip to you know the, the marriage of, of hand and arm and shoulder movement um, and making sure that the club face is communicating with that I suppose is, is the sweet spot of it because there's no one way to, to hold it um, again Tony weaken of our preferences but you know I'm messing around I'm messing around with a, with a weak grip when I go to hip golf balls and feeling like I, I move my shoulder muscles differently to create more bowing in my left wrist to, to, to feel what that, what does Colin, Colin Morikawa feel like or Jordan Spieth feel like when he's hitting a golf shot, you know, and I was always trained and taught, you know, kind of similar to the way Rory would hold it with a neutral to strong left hand and great pressure on the right hand so that you're able to set the club, but you're using a different set of shoulder muscles to do that. So, um, you know, there's a lot of complexity in that, and um, I hope I didn't go off on too much of a tangent. It's great, and I, but I think like you're looking at different skill level players, right? You're talking about elite players. You know, Wayne, a great teacher in his own right, teaches a lot of young players and developing players, and then mid handicap golfers. Um, and Wayne, I mean, uh, the, you touched on it, JP. Like that grip's important for how the, how the right arm folds or how the elbows function and how the, you know, and all of that stuff and the takeaway. So Wayne, talk a little bit about what you look for in a grip. Cause uh, you know, for a lot of people that maybe aren't elite players having those hands on there the right way so that the club can, so you can't square the club or flatten the left wrist or whatever you're looking for in the club face can happen. Tony, I try to, <clears throat> I try to get the club, you know, down in the, in the bottom of the palm and the top of the fingers in the, the lead hand, the left hand for a right-handed golfer, um, to put that heel pad up on top of the, up, up on top of the grip. I like the thumb and the, the knuckle of the forefinger to be together with no gap. And I like the thumb to be just, a, just slightly to the right of center on the grip. Um, 
and you know that I guess that would be kind of what JP's talking about with Rory. You know, kind of the, the pressure against the grip with with the the heel of the the left hand and the thumb and the forefinger or the knuckle of the forefinger. You know, pushing down on the grip, and then I like the the right thumb and thumb pad to sit right on top of that that left thumb and put the trigger finger on the back of the grip again with with no gap between the thumb and the knuckle the the top knuckle of the forefinger um <clears throat> i like the pressure in the hands to be pushing against each other and and constantly pushing down on the grip i think that's kind of important and the next thing i try to do to people is try to teach them how to hinge both hands away you know, get getting the left wrist to hinge and the right wrist to hinge back and the club face to stay, you know, kind of looking at the ball and staying, you know, on the plane. I don't like to see the club twisting around behind it. And once I get a person where they can slowly do that, that kind of helps teach them how to set that right, right elbow or their trail elbow, you know, get that right arm to start bending correctly instead of swinging way behind the person and and kind of getting back there in no man's land where it's hard for them to get the club back in front of them. So, you know, I take, I take a lot of time with younger kids, especially who are trying to develop a game. Um, and you know, once, once I try to get that, or once I get that moving in the right direction, then I, I really start to try to involve pivot and I know we're on grip right now, so I'll, I'll leave pivot alone, but, but I do try to get the hands working together and, uh, trying to get the left wrist to hinge and flatten out and get the club face to stay square to the plane and line up with the back of the left hand in a, you know, a square position. And, and I think when you get the hands working correctly, I do think that helps set the trail elbow and, and get it starting to learn to do the right thing. So I think, I think that's important, especially if you're trying to develop some young, young talent for sure. And, you know, a lot of times like JP said, you know, guys will come to you, like I've got a mini tour guy coming to me tomorrow and I've, I've given him one or two lessons before, but he's been down in South Florida and he's, he's coming up tomorrow for a day or so. And, you know, so, but I'll, I'll look at, I'll look at those things right off the bat. And I, I may not necessarily tear, tear the guy apart. If he's trying to play golf for a living, I'll, I'll get a little more into, you know, what can, what can work with what he's currently doing. I remember his grip was a little less than, perfect back when he was playing college golf, but, um, maybe, uh, maybe he's going to see somebody and fix that grip up by now. So we'll see you tomorrow morning. Jackson, we got a question. Yeah. Um, lead hand versus trail hand, which do you feel is more important? JP, you lead it off. Neither. Both are as important as each other. I'd agree with that. I mean, you know, if one's, I, I agree with that too. Once, you know, one's fucked up. I mean, you know, one or the other. I mean, you got to have them, mat, you know, so that it works. Kind of what you said earlier, JP. I mean, you know, I liked a lot what you said about the body and posture and all that. Uh, you know, they've got to work together and, you know, have have the club face where you want it and all that. Um, I, would, I would probably say that you could probably get away with more in the lead hand unless on the trail hand like if you get if you're if you if you're a, a, trying to be a decent player and your right hands are way underneath the handle of the club there's very very few people like brendan Steele is probably about the only right. truly elite level player that i've seen with an exceedingly strong right hand grip i haven't seen very many people get 
get good with a really strong right hand grip. I don't know what you guys would think of that. I'd agree with that. I can't think of one off the top of my head. I mean, and I and I think though that would you agree or disagree with this, JP and Wayne? Like I think there's like you talked about Morikawa and you talked about Rory, and then you just touched on Brendan Steele. There is like a bunch of different grips, but they all do kind of fall within a, you know, within a range. Like you don't huh? you don't see you, we don't see a tour player with the left hand way over here and the right hand. I mean, there there certainly are realms that they that good players exist within. You agree with that? Well, there is, and, and also, you know, something that we're beginning to study, and I know it's a difficult topic, uh, I believe there's a device in Japan that can measure it, is amount of pressure people are putting on the handle and the direction with which they're twisting the pressure when they're at address. Like, you know, I've worked for Louis Oosthuizen for a couple of years now, and Louis gets the, the club in his hand, his grip looks quite softly formed, and then just before he takes it away, he twists his hands together so his left hand works to the right and his right hand works to the left. And when you watch Louis, it's really quite a um, it's quite a strong amount of pressure he's putting on. We, you know, with with some of the, the people I speak to on this, we would suspect that Brooks Kepka takes the pressure and twists it the other direction um, on the handle. So, you know, the, the, when when you twist the pressure, the hands towards one another. The front shoulder muscles will be working. The elbows will stay a little bit closer together. You'll get a little bit more of what we may refer to as conventional movement. And when the hands twist apart like that, the elbows will twist apart. The left wrist would bow a little bit more and you would get, you know, obviously a bit more like what Brooks does with some elbow bends and things like that. And so, you know, there's there's a lot more complexity to just how you put your hands on the club and, and some, of, some of that real deeply... Um, you know, advanced triggering movement stuff really interests me as well. Jackson, I think we got another question. Yeah. What would you change? Someone's grip for desired results, or would you change the way the arms and shoulders deliver the club to the ball? JP, lead us off. Uh, that sounds such well, a JP question. You, well, if, you, if, if, if the shoulders and arms are delivering the club to the ball well, and the hands are in the wrong place, the ball will go in the wrong direction, so you'll need to move the hands anyway. So, you know, the, the whole, that whole thing needs to match up fairly well. I mean, I, I wouldn't change a grip if, I mean, if the results aren't what we're looking for. I mean, if the results are what we're looking for. You know, I think that kind of all goes together, really. I mean, it all, they all work together in a, you know, I mean, it's like a puzzle. you got to have all the pieces together. I mean, I think, I mean, you agree with that? Like, I mean, I wouldn't just jump in there and change a grip. You know, Tony, I don't ever, I don't ever change a person's grip unless they're a person that's trying to develop a golf game. You know, I mean, usually when you get, you know, scratch golfers or one or two handicappers or many tour players or like you guys teach JP and you teach a lot more tour players. By the time you get those people, they they've obviously got pretty good pretty good handle on the handle you know i mean they've got that figured out a little bit so you're not going to just dig in there and start changing stuff just for the case of changing it i mean i i do that when i'm trying to you know when i get a little 12 year old boy or girl that comes to me and they say they want to try to play college golf that's when i start to dig into those kinds of things and but but you know as you get further along with more accomplished players you know certainly i don't think any of us would just dig into changing a grip just for the fun of it um you know, as long as the hands are complementing each other and and working together and and getting some results, there's no there's no need to tear something apart just for the sake of tearing it apart. 
JP, talk a little more about posture. I, I think the more I'm around, uh, you know, obviously I just like, yeah, but I spend a bunch of time around Colby and, you know, spend a bunch of time in his gym down there at Joey D's and, you know, watching the importance of posture and balance, you know, that's really made me refocus on, on taking time with people to make sure that they're balanced or they're postured correctly. And then I, I've, you know, talked about things you're focusing on. I, I've spent a lot of time, I guess, over the last year or two with that work, trying to find people's imbalances in their body, like things that, you know, are preventing them from doing things that we might traditionally want them to do where they're, they're finding areas that they're not very stable in and, you know, that are preventing them from doing things. So that's kind of, you know, I've been, I'm spending a lot of time focusing on balance and finding players, uh, you know, imbalances, if you will. And, and to me that goes up and down the ladder for any skill level. In fact, heck with a 10 handicapper that walks in there's and they sit behind a desk, there's probably even more of that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You guys. You want me to go first? Yeah. Um, I don't I think, want to keep you know, from getting to your margaritas later, though. For the for the young for the young teachers, I think if you if you can imagine that, uh, you know, the first thing I would think that you would, you want to get a good handle on is like get your handle on eye line, understand a little bit about the visual system. Um, the eye line is going to obviously have some sort of impact on the neck position. Um, imbalances to Tony's point in in. Uh, scapula and spinal uh, column, those will have a further implication on neck positions. Neck positions and eye lines have a massive implication on what way the golf club is going to be traveling. Rotation starts somewhere around about the, the, the top of the cervical spine, I believe. And, you know, so from there, if you can imagine, we, we need to have a really good understanding as to, you know, what the head position should be. If the player's... Um, visual system and 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 uh neck alignments and whether there's any imbalances in there that can that cannot support the correct head position and if not to tony's point we need to then obviously help to educate the player through strength and conditioning whatever to, to help that and furthermore that will go back down into you know shoulder positions upper back positions we got then c posture s posture from from tpi um parlance if you like you know we, we start to understand well you know why is a person very rounded in the shoulders why are they very arched through their back I, you know and I, I break it down into those little pieces if you can imagine i would look at the cervical spine look at the neck alignment uh, look at the upper back alignment look at the lower back alignment then look at the pelvis alignment and see you know we see so many players with 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 pelvis you know um I guess impingements or imbalances um, that we look at an awful lot, and you know, I'm looking at the human body as a as the asymmetric, um, the asymmetric. I was going to say disaster; it's not a disaster, but it's an imbalanced, um, imperfect uh, system. And when we think of golf, and we we add golf to the mix, and we've got this asymmetric sport that we play in an asymmetric, um, in an asymmetric body, then we're going to end up with imbalances and. You know, David Donatucci at down in Florida, Tony, you probably know David. Um, you know, he helped me with that an awful lot, just how much the the, sh the shoulder blades can move as we get older to accommodate the, the heart. And I know there's different diaphragms, uh, diaphragm positions that will help with that. But, you know, there, there are so many asymmetries in the human body. And when we, when we link that into posture, it's, it's a marvel to think that somebody like Ernie Els has looked so good over the golf ball for, you know, okay. close on 35 years. And Adam Scott. 
but you look at the things that these guys do in the gym and the, the, the way that they, they, they treat their bodies and the way that they position themselves to get into balance. Um, that's been a lifelong study for me. So, you know, I feel bad thinking that I could talk about it in, in two and a half minutes. No, no, that's brilliant. That's great. I, I always stand it and I'll move on to the question. I, you know, one thing I've learned, and I think this is helpful for folks and Jackson, you've been around this. So chime in if you think I'm full of it or whatever, but like, I think, you know, the one thing that I do most with every new student is put them on each leg, one leg. I like to see how balanced they are and their ability, uh, you know, their ability to balance themselves on each leg in a golf posture uh, to help see, you know, just to kind of evaluate their ability, uh, their strength and their mobility and their stability that way. But uh, Jackson, you want to go to the next question or comment? Yeah, it's just um, thoughts on different training aids, um, referring to aids that are, on hands and wrists, like uh, Sean Foley's new one, George Genkis, uh, the G-Snaps, or uh, Martin Chuck's aids. Fo- uh, I, I just actually ordered Foley's new one. I saw it and uh, ordered that. I haven't gotten it yet. It might be on the door today, actually, when I get home. Uh, I'm not a huge training aid guy. I use a lot of resistance bands to help do things. Um, what do you use, JP? You know, the... the you know, I've seen Sean. You know, he's uh, he's all over my feed <laughs> as usual. Um, you know, he's great. I think I think there's there's probably if if somebody's taken the time to make any of this stuff, there's probably a use for it at some right. point in the lesson. Um, if you've got a great big cupboard full of them all, and you're watching someone hit golf balls, and then all of a sudden you think, ah, oh, yeah, he, he, that that would really help. It's great to have it. Um, so you know. The, I think Sean's one is great. I, you know, I I, uh, I think a lot of Martin Chuck's stuff is really good. I haven't used the box or anything like that just yet with rotation. I mean, again, I think if you can do it without strapping things onto people um, and making them feel like there's a there's something that's foreign on them, you know, I think it's it's sometimes it's a bit better. But at the same time, you know, I remember watching Butch use that you know that uh, the right arm tool with Ernie Els and Darren Clark through the years and. Um, you know, before Sean's thing, there was that little key thing that you put in that little crease in your right wrist and try and keep right wrist angles and things like that. So, again, I think if somebody's gone to the trouble of making something like this, it probably it probably warrants uh, some sort of use. And um, don't throw them out there all the time, but have them in the back burner so that you can put them in there when you need them, if you can afford them, all of them. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't I don't use a ton, I, I but I do. I think like what you said about you know if somebody's put thought in. I still I still have one of those old Greg Norman secrets. I don't know if we're supposed to mention Greg Norman on this thing or not, but you know I still have one of those laying around. I actually used the other day. I mean, there's still so many things that a guy was a mid handicap wanted a lesson from me, and it was I mean it it worked great for him. I mean, I still use some of the old things that we've had laying around forever. Wayno. You know, the more the more I teach, the the less I use training aids anymore. I I I put a lot of alignment sticks on the ground. I like to get the ball in the right place. I like to get people aimed. Um, I still use that thing on people's right elbow every once in a while called a swing extender, where they can you know they can feel when they're kind of folding their rear arm up too much. Um, I like a lot of width in the arms at the top of the back swing, and you know, so I'm I'm a little like you. I've got a bunch of rubber bands that. You know, I'll, I'll use and get people, you know, trying to do the right thing with their right arm, you know, learning how to stay wider, not not necessarily putting something on that doesn't let them do it wrong, but something that 
I put in there that kind of teaches them how to do it right. Um, I like those kind of training aids better than the ones that just keep them from doing it wrong. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really like that that much. Um, but I do like bands, you know, around, around their people's knees to, you know, to, to eliminate a little bit of excessive, you know, leg movement, leg slide, whatever you want to call it. I like stuff to keep the arms wide. Um, I've got one of those little yellow things that you can slip under a person's lead hand under their glove to help them learn to keep their wrist flat for people that might twist the club and cup the wrist a lot and open the club face up. I, you know, I use little things like that, but again, you know, the more I teach the less and less and less I use that. I try to, I try to do most of my teaching, trying to train them how to do it right slowly, you know, where, where they teach themselves the correct way instead of just putting something on there to block them from doing it wrong. You know, so I think, go ahead. Sorry, Wayne. You know, I think those are, I think anytime you can get something that makes them have to learn a new pattern instead of something that keeps them from doing the same old pattern, I think that's a better training aid. JP, you'll like this. So when I was out in Vegas the one time watching Butch, I <clears throat> uses that box, a club box, all the time. I mean, he's telling yeah. every time I've been there, he's the, this box is the greatest damn training aid yet. <laughs> it's all you damn need. And it is amazing how much you can do with a box. So I actually do have a wedge box that I keep in my teaching bay both yeah. places. Box alignment, alignment rods, alignment rods and boxes are great. Yeah, I've got the box and Tony, you know I've got my trusty two by four too. I forgot to slip my trusty two by four in there. So oh, I think that's I think that's another good one. And I always go back to JP, you never knew our mentor Hank, but he, you know, he was a brilliant old teacher and he he used to always tell me early on that peep, one of the best ways to teach people was that they were really good at learning to miss things, that the body yeah. was great at learning to miss things, to avoid things that could hurt them. So he was always big on if you put something in the way, it would force them to have to make a movement. And I think that, like, you know, you can use den caddies. I think, JP, you mentioned sticks, things like that. I mean, I mean, you can put something in the way of somebody and it can, without you doing a whole lot else, it can force them to have to change their movement patterns. Yeah. Jackson, any other questions or is it time to send JP up to the Mexican place? Yeah, we don't have any other questions, but uh, if anybody has some feedback, feel free to shoot me an email. Um, We're just uh, here to provide a good product and help everybody get better. And then I think last, like, if, if you have any questions, please send them in. If you have any topics or guests for me, Wayne, JP, or the podcast, the tour coach in general that you'd like to have on. Um, I know I, I, we talked before we came on the air. I think JP and Jackson and I are going to try to tape a good one maybe up at Augusta. So if there's any uh, uh, anything you guys want to hear or, or have us talk about or guests bring on that would help you, please let us know, DM us or – slip into our dms whatever it is you need jackson wayno jp everybody thanks for sitting in and uh hope this was a good one i hope you enjoyed this edition of the tour coach and this conversation that we brought to you about playing learning and teaching the game of golf we'll be back next week with another edition of the tour coach in between now and next week make sure you follow us on our social channels you can always find me at the do sweeper on instagram Or go to our YouTube page where you'll see a scene and a video from my teachings daily on our YouTube channel. You can find that by looking up Tony Ruggiero and the Dew Sweepers on YouTube. 
Until then, make sure you follow and check out Everything Tour Coach and all our sponsors, Shrikshon Cleveland Golf, Bushnell, Vineyard Vines, and Buick GMC. I'll be back next week to help all of us appreciate, learn, and enjoy the game of golf.